Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Anjana Silka. Thank you for accepting to share some more Dhamma. So today is Wednesday, the 21st of October. And um, the first question for today is a question that comes up frequently. You speak about consciousness and sometimes talk about it as being permanent, which leaves some people confused because they're used to hearing consciousness as mentioned in the five aggregates or in the dependent origination, where it is talked about as being impermanent. Could you address that, please? Yeah, that's very confusing for most of us who've uh, entered the Theravadan tradition from the Zen tradition, because uh, in the five khandhas, five aggregates, that's about the body, feelings, uh, memories, uh, emotions, and consciousness. This is dealing with sensory consciousness through seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. So, so this is all impermanent. Like you can't, you know, eye consciousness is, is, is consciousness in the eyes or, and, and the object of the eyes, is, is it limited to sensory uh, experience? You know, we ask ourselves these questions. There's also references in terms of, uh, in, in the Pali Canon, in the suttas, regarding the, uh, the permanent consciousness, vinyanang anidasanang anandang sapadopaban, which is translated as consciousness, uh, invisible, infinite, and being present all around. So, so that, doesn't convey that it's confined to a, to sense organs or to a, a physical body. And so, you know, the whole point of Buddha's teaching is to see beyond the identity that we have with, with what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think, our emotional habits. And uh, this practice of meditation, especially in this Thai forest tradition, where we reflect on knowing, you know, the, the impermanence that we, we can witness as we pay attention to the body is impermanent, the feelings are impermanent, the memories are all impermanent, the uh, emotions are impermanent, the, the, the sensory consciousness is impermanent. <clears throat> but when you meditate, you, when you are mindful, when you cultivate awareness, mindfulness, then when, when you're no longer attached to the sensory identities and that when you reach a point where in, in uh, the, the consciousness knows itself, it's no longer being sent out into objects of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. But it's it's where you stop doing that, where you refrain from from sending your consciousness 
to the objects that of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, you, you, there's still consciousness. And that's what we call the uh, consciousness aware of itself, or awareness aware of, of awareness. And in, in Thai terms, it's called Jitwan, or empty consciousness. It's not being sent out to objects uh, of, of the senses anymore, through the senses, but there's still, when we've let go of desire, let go of, of these habitual patterns of distracting ourselves through looking, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, what remains is awareness, aware of itself. So this is like Neroda, this is the the uh, third noble truth, the end of suffering, because the suffering that implied in the four noble truths, the Arya four noble truths, is that it's uh, suffering is due to this delusion of, of attachment to sensory experience and and identity with the body. So in the Paticca Samupada, or dependent origination, as you trace the, that, you start with ignorance is the basic cause of, ignorance of ultimate reality of Dhamma is, is the cause of suffering. So you start with avicca, bhajaya, sankara. So when you start with basic delusion of I am this person, this body, this personality, then it, it follows suit that that uh, that affects consciousness, the sense of consciousness as a, a through thinking, through identity with the sankara, which takes you to the result of suffering. So ignorance or avicca or ignorance of dhamma, which is here and now when. When we talk about Dhamma, you'll be translated as apparent here and now. So that is consciousness, is what's apparent here and now for every single human being on the planet. You know, when you ask anyone whether they're conscious, they have to say yes, because that's a fact that is knowable in the present moment. <clears throat> so it's a, so Dhamma, consciousness, uh, whatever you want to call it, like dumb, like consciousness can be the, the the doorway to Dhamma, to ultimate realization. So if consciousness is dependent upon senses to function, then it's very limited. It you know it's just another sankara. And uh, so in the five khandas, the five aggregates, that it is uh, impermanent. But in terms of ultimate reality, it, it, it's permanent. In the Niroda side of Paticca Samupada, dependent origination, then you see through, through, through wisdom, through enlightenment, through seeing Dhamma, then the whole thing collapses, you know, the, it doesn't that you become unconscious, like a, an enlightened individual is, he goes into a trance or, or drops dead, but it's, 
is no longer deluded by the illusion of a temporary self, a personality, as the ego, the no longer bound and limited by the cultural, social conditioning that individuals received or by the thinking habits that it's developed. It's, it sees through these, these highly controlled uh, conditioning that, that we identify with. So, you know, when we identify with, we identify with the ego, the sense of a separate self, or that I am this, this person, this body. And to most human beings on planet Earth, this identity is, is, is you aren't born with it, but you, you are, acquire that identity through the social, cultural conditioning that you receive after birth. Because consciousness isn't limited, it's, it's one of the immeasurables, it has no, 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 it, as I said before, in terms of the consciousness invisible, uh, infinite, it has no, no boundaries, you can't find, you can't objectify consciousness and, and uh, describe it uh, with words. But you know it because it's the very act of knowing in the present moment that that it's always here and now. That's always you know it's not something cultivated or created. So it's when consciousness knows itself. It's no longer just being uh, used used through the senses. What is that? You know, what is that? And of course. In terms of the insight into vinyanang anidasanang anantang sapadongkavang, when you the realization of that is peaceful. It can be considered uh, uh, love, you know, in the sense of unconditional love. It accepts everything. It's no longer judging, determining what's right and wrong, good or bad. It's it's freedom. It's peaceful, so it's not just like a, you know, a blank state of, uh, of that you you imagine, like the Jit Wang, the the empty consciousness sounds, to you know, through the intellectual conditioning we have as a kind of blank state of nothingness, but emptiness or. The, the pure state of being, of, of knowing, is peaceful. So this is, you know, we wonder what peace really is in our lives when we find, you know, that we're not peaceful in ourselves because we're always trying to find something, get something, get rid of something, wanting something, because we're always attached to the conditions that are created. Conditioned phenomena, sankaras, are creations of the human psyche. And so, you know, we, we, are, we limit ourselves and bind ourselves to birth and death, to success and failure, to praise and blame, because we're, we, we're identifying with with impermanent, unsatisfactory conditions. And uh, in terms of Pali Buddhism, you know, 
sankara is a is the word translated as condition or phenomena and it's it's arises and ceases with the three characteristics of anicca impermanence dukkha unsatisfactoriness and anatta not self so in vipassana meditation we we begin to realize this that 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 the body is not self the the feelings the the pleasure pain neutral sensations through the senses and not self <clears throat> memories are are not self and emotions are not self and sensory consciousness is not self but what is it that knows sensory consciousness is not self and that's consciousness you know it's no you actually realize the state of, of where there's no attachment to a condition is like this so in terms of reflecting you know consciousness at this very moment for every one of us is like this we know we're conscious but then we start thinking about it we see it as as i am conscious rather than consciousness is like this and so in lumpachas uh direct kind of approach to to this way of reflecting is using this buddha buddha mantra which means awaken consciousness awaken to itself it's no longer just being used through through the eyes ears nose tongue body and mental conditioning it's it's liberated and free and perfect so in so much of you know many of us have in because of our cultural conditioning like when i first encountered theravada buddhism you know i couldn't figure out uh you know because consciousness is impermanent through because the senses are impermanent when the body dies the eyes decay they don't they they have no lasting ability other than through you know the life force of a of a of a singular body and you 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 know a corpse doesn't hear taste touch or think anymore doesn't have emotions uh because it is a sankara the, the human body is very much not a, a permanent self or a a soul or has no no other quality other than it is made up of conditions that are impermanent unsatisfactory and not self so what what is the ability to reflect on sankara is that a sankara is is being aware of the arising and ceasing of a condition is that a sankara or what is it that knows the the presence and absence of a sankara or a condition and that is the consciousness knowing itself it's the the buddha the buddha the, the buddha kind of knowledge of knowing because the only word that makes any sense in english language in describing consciousness is it's knowing it's 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 knowing here and now it's not describing here and now it's not judging here and now is 
pleasant, painful, good or bad, but it's knowing uh, it's like this in the present moment. Consciousness is like this. And then you stop trying to figure it out because the words you try to, to, to describe consciousness are all sankharas. Even the word knowing is a sankhara. You have to eventually just stop knowing, stop trying to think at all to where there's just pure knowing without having to think the word. And so this is path knowledge, this is the samaditi uh, right understanding. In, in practice, Paul, so the question comes from more uh, what I say, an intellectual, theoretical understanding of the Buddha's teachings, where people read the books or memorize the teachings and hear that consciousness is impermanent in these various teachings. And then there's this uh, pure consciousness. In practice, how does one, that's sort of putting down the book, how do I look at my experience and start noticing the consciousness that is not necessarily bound up in the sankharas. Well, you don't notice it because you are that. You can't objectify consciousness. You can objectify eye consciousness by focusing on an object. You know, consciousness of this Buddha Rupa in front of me. Uh, you know, I'm aware of it, and, and but I'm standing through. Uh, but if I close my eyes, where is the Buddha Rupa? You know, that consciousness stops when you close your eyes. But uh, ultimate, you know, the deathless consciousness, the Vinyanang Anidasanang, the infinite. Awareness all around, you know, it's it's universal consciousness, not personal. How does one come to that realization? I stop asking how. Okay. Just learning to trust in awareness. Like basically, that's the main teaching. Is Awareness is like this, you're aware, you know, you're aware even when you're totally deluded, you're aware that you're angry or you're confused or you, you identify with these emotions, but you're aware, you know, people always say, I have a problem with anger, how do I get rid of it? And so they're aware of what they're feeling, but they identify with the feeling of of anger. So they, you know, I have an anger problem. You say, Sankara is a condition we create. But in terms of ultimate reality, anger arises and ceases in consciousness. Uh, consciousness is the, is the knowing of anger is like this. It is, but it's not judging it. It's not saying you shouldn't be angry or Anger is bad or, or justified in any way. It's not, it's not contemplating it in, with words, but contemplating them with, with intuition, with what we call intuitive awareness. So it is, an, an, it is a looking. 
differently. Yeah, it's I mean, there completely is, opposite of the worldly view. So when I ask how, I'm not necessarily sort of asking for another theoretical answer, but there is a path to go from ignorance of Dhamma, not knowing, not realizing this consciousness is here, to realizing it's there. And that's the whole point of the Buddha's teaching, is there is a path to cultivate that. Because sometimes people talk about being a little bit at loss, saying, oh, I'm just an unenlightened person, and Ajahn Sumedho talks about pure consciousness, he knows what it is, but I, I, I'm not there yet. So there must be a path that connects the two, that one can practice, and that leads from one to the other. Well, it's one of those pathless paths. The gateless gate, they call it in Zen Buddhism. So how do people use these koans that you're presenting by the second to, for their benefit in the present moment? Well, just the idea that I'm an unenlightened person, that's a creation, I create, you know, to, to see yourself as somebody who is in, unenlightened is uh, an assumption, you mean, it's, it's thought. You know, it's the ego, it's, it's the ego problem. Mm -hmm. Because you create, your, your ego is conditioned. And uh, the sense of I am unenlightened, and I'm an angry person, or I'm, I'm anything at all, is, is thinking, isn't it? It's, and the thinking process is discriminatory, it's for judging things. This is heaven, this is hell, this is good, bad, right, wrong, true and false. So the conditioned realm, the samsara, is, is all about, you know, conditions that have a, a cause and an effect, that have a beginning and an ending, like birth is the cause of death. You know, is it a person that dies or is it a body? Uh, the bodies are all going to die. And, and then, we, then we create a person or a soul, an individual soul that's separate, that doesn't, that goes on to the next life or something. It's still imagination, it's still pro conceptual proliferation. You know, it's it's the being trusting in your thoughts, in your intellectual conditioning that we bind ourselves to birth and death. But when we awaken to that, we no longer seek to define or identify or objectify reality. There's still consciousness. You know, it isn't a void of nothingness, or, but it's, it's uh, you know, it's described in terms as ultimate peace or unconditional love. So it's not just a, a kind of, when you imagine uh, a void of nothingness, it, 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 you know, that's a creation of the, that you'll never find, you'll never realize a void of nothingness but you will realize peace through letting go of sankara, seeing through the, the, the limitation that we bind ourselves to, through identifying with the body, with, with thoughts, with memories, with uh, the senses that we experience life with. 
And so it's, that's why in modern science, you know, trying to find out what consciousness is, is a kind of hopeless task because it, consciousness doesn't need to know what it is. It doesn't, you know, it, it can objectify itself. It, it knows itself, but it's never an object of anything. So when you try to define consciousness with, with words, you're, you're using sankharas to define non-sankhara or the deathless. Can't do it. That's why it becomes more theoretical. You can make theories about consciousness and describe it, you know, in various kind of as metaphysics or, uh, you know, form, form ideas, imagine consciousness, states of consciousness, levels of consciousness, uh, as, you know, many people do. But consciousness is here and now for every single human being, every creature, in fact. And the human, human creature has the ability to reflect on the reality of here and now. We say, santitiko akaliko dhamma, you know, apparent here and now, timeless. And so I challenge any of you to try to figure out timelessness with your intellect. You can't do it. It's impossible to, to, to conceive, conceive anything timeless, like we can conceive the future. We can imagine anything that will happen in the future, or we have memories of the past, but the present moment, all we can say is, it is the way it is at this moment, which is where we are all the time, is this. It's, it's the way it is. So at this moment, it's like this. It's not defining it. It's just awakening to it. <clears throat> Suddenly you're looking at it from, a, from an apperception, from a wide from an intuition rather than through the intellect. When you try to define the present moment, how do you define this present moment with words? You, you know, you try to think, you start to imagine, well, I'm interested or I'm bored, or you start thinking, you know, trying to find out what this present moment is for you as a person. But in terms of apparent here and now, it's like this, you know, so every moment this, this present here and now is, is always the way it is, whatever, you know, whatever state of mind you're in, your health situation, or whether there's peace or confusion or happiness or suffering, it's like this. So with the first noble truth to understand suffering, we're not trying to, to analyze it, you know, why do I suffer? But to understand it, which is this, this ability to open to it. Suffering is like this. Wanting something you don't have. Wanting to get rid of something you have you don't want. Wanting to be happy. 
desire, you know, uh, desires are sankharas, and you, you can be aware of desire. Desire is like this. I'm not saying desire is good or bad, because desires can have quality, good qualities or bad qualities, or, but uh, they are the way they are, and, and that, which is a, that which is aware of desire, consciousness, aware of desire, consciousness is, doesn't have desires, it's aware of desires. But the ignorant person attaches to the desires and becomes somebody who wants something they don't have or not, not wanting something they have, they don't want. So how do you become mindful is, is just be, trust, learning, learning to trust in this awareness by reflecting, by listening. You know, I oftentimes experience it as, as listening because you're not listening to, to, a, to like music or somebody else, uh, so, but you have this kind of wide open apperceptive, a kind of awareness, which is not bound, it's not listening for, to any sound, you know, it's not like listening to music or sounds of nature, but it receives all sounds. So it's, um, this is how I found the, the image of listening very helpful for my own investigation of hearing now, because, you know, this wide perspective of listening without focusing on, on an object is like this. Is it pleasant or painful or good or bad? And you begin to notice the silence behind the, the sounds, the noise of the world, or the noise of your mind. Because the substratum is always silent. You know, so silence is, is, is peaceful. It doesn't excite or depress or judge, make value judgments about anything. It's peaceful here and now. So what underlies the noise we make through our thinking, through our trying to control emotions and, and trying to get something we don't have or get rid of, resist what we're experiencing, all that struggle is, is noise and sound and effort, that, useless efforts that we make to try to to control everything, to try to get permanent happiness through conditions that can, that have no permanent quality of ability whatsoever. So you, you begin to observe the, the frustration, the, the, the limitation we have by trying to control everything, to trying to get rid of anger, trying to get rid of jealousy, trying to get rid of fear, trying to get rid of bad thoughts, you know, we're endlessly resisting trying to, to get rid of things we don't like, which is a form of desire. 
Now, if we observe that desire, wanting to get rid of anger is like this. So you 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 stop trying to find out. You just you kind of let go of the idea that anger is something you've got to get rid of, but something you observe. And when you take that position of the awakened consciousness, the Buddha, then you see the, that, that anger arises and ceases in consciousness. You know, it, wonder, rather than trying to get rid of it, which is creating more anger, more misery, you know, the more we try to resist and control and and make things the way we want them, the more miserable we become. So, in like Lumpur Chao's version of meditation is the holiday of the heart, rather than a striving to perfect oneself by becoming perfectly mindful 24 hours a day, uh, to become enlightened, like we imagine, you know, the ego thinks I'm not enlightened. The ego thinks I I am. Uh, I have to become enlightened. That's all thinking, imagining that you are something that isn't enlightened. You have to think that. Is that really the the, the reality of this present moment? And so, when you you, med you start meditation trying to get rid of the kilesas or the defilements, like we all, you know, started with trying to control, trying to concentrate on objects to attain concentration on objects, peaceful objects. And uh, so we're sending consciousness out to objects, meditation objects, and we control that, so we have to shut out everything else. So we, we're not intuitive anymore, we're just concentrated on a, on a peaceful object, which leads towards tranquility. And that's the best you can expect from that kind of meditation. But tranquility is impermanent, because it depends on on uh, uh, concentrating the mind on something external, where where the uh, vipassana meditation is investigating reality here and now. So, like there is suffering, and un to understand suffering doesn't mean to analyze, to start thinking about me as. That, you know, how can I get rid of my suffering? But to to understand it means to stand under it, to observe it. It's like this. And you start allowing suffering to 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 be what it is and it ceases. Suffering is not permanent. So this is in the Four Noble Truth it's quite beautifully Explained, you know, the, it's a, the very good directions of letting go of desire. When you let go of desire, then there's the end of suffering, nirodha, which leads to samadhi. 
Diti, right understanding, or what we call the Eightfold Path. But like words are limitations, so even the word path is can, can be misleading. But it's it's but samaditi is is comes from that that understanding, which leads to right action, right speech, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. So it's it's not like a path that goes from one step to the next, but it's kind of complete in itself. Samaditi, uh, you know, isn't about me becoming, you know, somebody who's, who's mindful and enlightened. In fact, the whole sense of, of me as a person being enlightened falls away. You know, it no longer makes sense to, to think in terms of becoming enlightened, because that's thought again, that's thinking, and it's still sakyatiti, still the sense of I, I am something called enlightenment. But what do we mean by enlightenment in terms of the reality of it? It's not far away, it's not something I've got to get that I don't have, it's just wake, awakening to the reality of here and now, and trusting that. So, Lumpa Chad's version, def definition of meditation is holiday of the heart, it's like relaxing. It's, it's, it's not like trying to get rid of something or get something you don't have, which tends to take a lot of effort and stress. You know, so we, we try to control, get rid of our defilements, or try to get samadhi or concentration. We have to apply a lot of effort to do that, which is creating stress. Where a holiday of the heart means, you know, a holiday is where you relax and let go. You don't have to you don't have to do anything or be anybody of the heart. And so the, the, the heart area, you know, this is intuitive here. It's not, the brain is, is your intellect, you know, so it's discriminatory. It just, you know, and you're, when you, intellectuals are always discriminating right and wrong, good and bad. And, big and small, and it's, you know, discrimination has its use, but it, it is still, you know, conditioned phenomena, it's still sankhara. But what isn't sankhara is awareness, consciousness, or dhamma, apparent here and now.